Greetings, friends. My name is Weston Nakamura from Blockworks Macro in Tokyo. It is Tuesday, June 20th, 2023, after Asian markets close. And welcome to the Market Depth Podcast, bringing you global market commentary and analysis from the Asia-Pacific trading session so that you know what happened overnight. Today, out of China, we have cuts in the one-year and five-year loan prime rates by 10 basis points each following three rounds of rate cuts from last week. And this time, we have equity markets in China and Hong Kong down on the day and underperforming the region. So what does that say in terms of policy versus market response? You know, was a weak market in China even driven by the rate action today? Or was it something else entirely? And what of the other markets in the absence of U.S. market participants on holiday? We're going to dive into all of that today. First, let me just remind you of all of the PBOC policy rates that were cut last week, um, because China has just a ridiculous amount of different rates. Get confusing. So just very briefly, last Tuesday, before market open, they made a surprise cut to the seven-day reverse repo by 10 basis points. The reason it was a surprise is because typically they would wait until, you know, they would make to wait to make any rate adjustments until after the one-year MLF rate, right? And that was scheduled for later in the week, okay? So that chronology was a surprise because the last time that they cut a seven-day reverse repo ahead of a scheduled MLF rate decision was in March 2020, okay? So kind of the sense of urgency that couldn't waste the takeaway from that would be. Okay, then same day, last Tuesday, but later in the evening um, in Asia, they then cut the overnight, the seven-day, and the one-year SLF rates also by 10 basis points each, okay? So that was all on Tuesday. And that had essentially guided for Thursday's scheduled one-year MLF rate cut, also by 10 basis points. And then that one-year MLF cut was guidance for today's one-year and five-year loan prime rate, or LPR, cuts, which they also cut by 10 basis points each. Okay, One-year LPR is the rate that they use for corporate and household loans. Um, that was cut to 3.55%. Five-year LPR is a reference for mortgages. That was cut to 4.2%. So in the past seven days, we have four different policy rates, each cut by a uniform 10 basis points, at various parts of the respective curves where Apple will, okay? So why did China and Hong Kong equity markets sell off today upon an inline minus 10 basis point LPR cut? Because although 10 basis point cuts were uniform across the board, about half of the surveyed economists were actually expecting more of a cut in the five-year loan prime rate from today, okay? They were expecting... Uh, cut by minus 15 basis points rather than the minus 10 basis points. Because remember, five-year LPR is the rate at which mortgages reference. And so it's not that an additional minus five basis point cut to you know five-year LPR would make any material difference in and of itself. But it's that given that the property sector is what's in most need of asymmetric fiscal and monetary stimulus support, 10 basis point cuts to all rates except for the five-year LPR would have actually signaled asymmetric support of that particular sector that is um, been in severe deterioration and getting worse and quickly. Um, and so although it might seem like all of these different rates are just basically acted upon at the same time and, you know, the same increments, okay, as per August of 2022, which is when all of these rates were last cut, 
um, and had been left untouched since. That's not actually the case because in May of 2022, the PBOC actually made a 15 basis point cut to only the five-year LPR. And they left the one-year LPR unchanged. And that was taken as a signal for targeted support to the property sector at the time. So despite the 10 basis point cuts across the board for this round of easing, I could say that it, it would be reasonable for some to expect the asymmetric cut to you know, the five-year LPR this morning um, and the di- downside re- market reaction, particularly in the property sector, um, when it didn't come. Um, and then to add to that, you know, the Chinese cabinet met last Friday to discuss these broad-based stimulus package that was twice supported by Bloomberg, but nothing concrete um, out of there. So there's been a lot of jumping the gun optimism to price out from this month in markets in, in China and Hong Kong. In fact, today's AM session, that was the moment when the Hang Seng property and development sector had finally dropped back below the broader Hang Seng index um, you know, month-to-date performance um, and month-to-date because this is when the Hang Seng equity market reversal rally had really kicked off. Okay, now, last Tuesday, exactly a week ago, on market depth, okay, when the PBOC made these sudden cuts to reverse repo and SLF rates um, and the market reaction in both the equity markets and in the yuan was just crickets, right? There's basically no reaction at all. In that episode of market depth last Tuesday, I explained the lack of market reaction by playing back a clip from a previous episode of Market Depth from late May, in which I had explained ahead of time the reason for why there wasn't um, a why there wouldn't be a positive market reaction to the sort of long-awaited rate cut stimulus out of China. Okay, so this is a clip from then. Um, I don't think that there would be any sort of like sudden bull rush back into China at that point because of a PBOC rate cut. Because one, as I pointed out earlier, so much of that is already expected by markets as it is, which is another way of saying that current market conditions that are in downfall that I've just shown you, that's what the markets are doing with an expected rate cut that has yet to come. And so if and when it comes, that wouldn't be of any surprise. Um, And so therefore, a widely expected PBOC stimulus measure in the near term would likely not revive the China reopen sentiment that we had going into this year at anywhere near that level of one-way consensus optimism. Okay, well, now, a week after that episode in which I played a clip from a previous episode for easing measures out of China that was met with tepid market reaction, I'm now going to play a clip from that very episode a week ago as to explaining today's easing measures that were now met with a downside market reaction. That It isn't about the policy measures themselves, um, but rather, again, it's about the absolutely lethargic market response. That is also what I mean by deafening silence from markets. It's not just a lack of price appreciation in percentage terms, but the actual trading volume itself being down on the day. So my overall take is... China is actually doing more harm than good if they keep doing these half-measure policy responses because not only is the policy stimulus long priced in and expected um, and still markets are down and thereby even, you know, even the assumed policy is predisposed to be ineffective, right? But if they keep just shying away 
from taking out the big guns and blasting off with like major stimulus across all like facets, right? If they don't go big when they previously have done so before um, and thereby have shown what they can do, then that signals to markets, to the world, to the, you know, internally, externally, that they are choosing not to use previous policy support measures, um, both monetary and fiscal, okay? And why would they or anyone choose not to exercise policy, even policy that had been used before? Because apparently, from their perspective, on balance, it would be I would it would actually do more harm than good, at least from their view and their priorities. So, if China doesn't want to go down that like easing hole again because they correctly or otherwise feel that more debt and leverage isn't a fix, but rather you know just like can kick down the road. Or if it's that they simply can't blast off a big enough easing bazooka fix for whatever reason. And if markets perceive that there is no policy fix coming by choice or not, and that realization, if that ever hits the broader base sentiment, that's when you will see global markets ex-China finally stop ignoring China's deterioration and rapidly price it in. Okay, so... Tiny half measures would actually do more harm than good because all it would do is just confirm to the world that indeed China's economy is in bad shape and is in need of stimulus, but it is not actually receiving that adequate stimulus, right? Um, and it would be better if they did nothing than rather if they did something that was just met with a market that rejects whatever that something is. Now, as to broader markets... Are we now at that point in which DM equity markets that had been ignoring China's economic de deterioration now starting to price in um, now that the PBOC and the central government have taken action that isn't being received as adequate? Has that process now begun? Well, let's now take a look cross asset, including at U.S. In uh, index futures during the Asia trading session for today. Okay, so let's just first start simply with Hang Seng futures uh, over the past two days. And while, yes, we see a sharp downside move at today's LPR cuts at market open, there's already been downside underway from the previous day as well. And that little uplift that you see at the end of the Asia trading day from yesterday's session, um, that's Secretary of State Blinken meeting with Xi Jinping headline reactions. And wow, look how far that went. But if not for that, the direction would still be, you know, going down into today anyway. Okay, so that context is important to know. Let's also look at dollar yuan and the Hang Seng Cash Index. And you can see when the LPR cuts come, okay, that that hits at 9.15 a.m., 15 minutes before, minutes before the uh, Hang Seng um, and China cash equity markets open. And as you can see... Well before that even hit the tape, the yuan was already on its downward decline, you know, and that decline just simply continued through the LPR cut announcement, through China market open. So there was a sell China risk off bias already heading into today before the LPR so-called disappointment. OK, now let's take a look at U.S. markets. SPX e-mini futures today during uh, Asia trading hours. Um, I know it's hard to see, but if you look closely, SPX actually doesn't fall on the LPR announcement, but rather at China equity market open. That's when you see that first downside leg. 
Um, so SPX is directionally following the equity markets um, more so than the currency markets or the news flow for that matter. And here's NASDAQ 100 futures, NDX, um, and the yuan over the last two days. Now, if you haven't realized by now, all of this so far this week is occurring during a U.S. market holiday, U.S. closed. So that that's what makes this price action so interesting, okay, um, as regional holidays just tend to be, generally speaking. The reason market holidays are critical to watch is because it allows you to see what markets behave like absent that particular market participant. In this case, absent the U.S. flows. Okay, so here's SPX E-minis capturing the period, you know, starting from last Friday all the way up to, you know, and into Asia market close today, okay? And so during Asia trading hours, SPX E-minis moved directionally with the yuan, even on Friday, even and with a slight lag at that. But then during U.S. cash hours, they decouple in price action on Friday. But then after that, starting from the 19th with the U.S. out on holiday and continuing to be out, for Tuesday's Asia session, it's just basically algos and systematic trading that's trading in line with Asia macro assets. And here's NDX futures over the same window of time. Okay, And speaking of NDX futures, let's revisit some of my recent cross-regional market observations to see what they look like um, and behave like absent the U.S. on holiday. So, NDX futures and Nikkei futures. These two are still in lockstep price action in the absence of the U.S. and in the presence of the U.S. But what's interesting here in this current setup is, given that the Japan equity rally over the last 12 weeks or so has been not only just purely foreign inflow driven, but much of that foreign inflow is originating out of, out of the U.S., and so, therefore, Japan's Nikkei index might as well also just be on U.S. holiday over the last two days. So, Nikkei and NDX futures are moving directionally in lockstep. Fine. Nothing new there. It's how it's been for many, many weeks. But with, with U.S. on holidays and absent from market activity, the natural direction of both of these is apparently to the downside without the U.S. buyers in the market. Right. By natural direction, I mean the net direction of you know those who are left in Japan markets on a U.S. holiday, which are by and large Japan domestics, both institutional and retail, and systematic futures flows. And on the latter, the systematic flows. Um, here's another thing that's interesting. Okay, another one of another test of one of my recent observations of markets. Recall that I had been saying that Japan has stolen away both U.S. market breadth and overall directional intraday leadership, i.e. like during this Japan bull breakout, the Nikkei dictates NDX more so than the other way around, if you recall that. All right, see this chart. This is the same one as the previous chart, but only this time I've added the trading volume of NDX futures in the bottom panel. Okay, So all of the green that you see on this chart is just NASDAQ 100 futures, the price action, the volume, and then the orange is simply uh, Nikkei futures that are overlaid. And look at this particular pivot point downwards in NDX futures yesterday. So this is a little bit after Japan cash close, and you see a pickup in trading volume as well. 
um, in that directional move. Why did that happen? When it happened. That's when Nikkei Futures reopened for its night trading session. Okay? And upon reopen for its night trading session, Nikkei makes a directional turn downwards. And that caps NDX's otherwise upside that was preceding it and reverses it and does so on a pickup in volume. That's systematic flows at work and systematic flows on NDX that are seemingly programmed to track Nikkei futures because Nikkei in Japan is where the U.S. equity capital is at the moment. Okay, Here is another later in the day, not too long after. This is a decisive Nikkei downside move that coincides with and culminates in a pickup in NASDAQ futures volume, okay? And this is happening between like, what, 9 p.m. to midnight Japan time, and U.S. markets are not open. So this is almost like purely systematic flows. It's not active human trading flows at all. So, yes, U.S. equity investors, you do indeed need to be aware of Japan equity markets for the sake of your own markets in the United States. That's why I keep talking about this. Now, let's take a look at another one of my market observations I made recently. How about uh, Japan's Nikkei Index and Hong Kong's Hang Seng Indices um, that are being pair-traded intraday, if you, if you remember that. That was very recent that I made that observation. So here it is. If you just kind of you know, silo them off session by session, they move directionally inverse as a long short. One gets bought as the other gets sold and vice versa. Or one gets bought as a consequence of the other one getting sold and vice versa. And again, this phenomenon, in my view, occurs because some of the recent AI and tech sector uh, outflows that had just occurred recently, they that some of that flow found their way into being long China mega cap tech stocks that, you know that have been beaten down, and th those are the Hang Seng, Hang Seng Index heavyweights. And as growth-favoring traders, I would assume, if they're you know long AI and tech, they're pairing their longs against what they, as growth traders, likely also see as overvalued value traps, i.e. Japan equities. Okay? So that's the long you know, Hang Seng and short Nikkei futures and vice versa. Either way, as of late, Hang Seng and Nikkei are exhibiting this intraday opposing mirror trading behavior. Well, let's see what this pair looks like absent the U.S. market participants. Well, look at that downside. And look, I don't really care which direction for this particular observation. I only care that they're subtly moving directionally parallel to one another in the absence of U.S. And finally, one last one from my Market Depth podcast observations. This one is the Aussie yen carry trade versus risk assets recorrelating as of late, if you recall that one. So the Aussie dollar um, and Aussie yen especially is taking a beating today um, due to minutes that were released from the latest RBA meeting in which they did a surprise rate hike again. But the minutes from the meeting showed a bit more of sort of an internal dovish debate that was taking place within the RBA, and so AUD crashed. But note that the RBA minutes were released at the exact 
same time that the China LPR cuts came out, which is also right before China Cash Equity opened this morning. Okay, so to sum all this up, who in the hell knows what's actually moving what to the downside at the moment? Is it China LPR? Maybe. But again, China downside was already in motion prior to. Is it Aussie yen? Carry trade that got hit and liquidating assets? Yeah, it is. But that's the that's not the question of whether or not that's happening. It is. The question is to what degree and to what level of market impact is it contributing to, if at all? Or is it simply the absence of U.S. market participants? who have been driving U.S. indices upwards via taking a route through their Japan longs that then lead global DM indices higher, okay? I don't know to tell you the truth. Maybe a bit of all, maybe absolutely none of the above. Either way, the reason I don't know is because we have yet to see the U.S. market open um, and you know what trading is like then, first and foremost. But it will certainly be interesting to see if things revert back, once the U.S. flows are fully back in, which will take a day or two, it's not going to be like all immediately at market on open on you know at the U.S. session. But either way, keep an eye on markets. If you can't, then keep an eye out for the Market Death podcast, and make sure you like and subscribe and keep up to date and follow me on Twitter at Across the Spread. And on behalf of Blockworks Macro, let me say welcome back, U.S. It's been a very interesting market experiment without you. My name is Wes Nakamura. We will see you all soon. Thanks. Bye.